Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Today in Town Packers podcast. My name is Griffin. You can follow me on Instagram at All Day Packers, and I'm joined by my very good friend, Braun, who you can follow on Instagram at Lambo.Leapers. And we are coming back to you with another podcast after the Packers got their fifth victory of the season, this time over the Chicago Bears at Soldier Field. Ah, it feels good, doesn't it, Braun? Beating the Bears. Even, even in a season like this, still feels good beating the Bears. How are you? It feels really good to get a win, Griff. And even though we are not a great team this year, the one consistency is that we are always beating the Chicago Bears, and for that I am forever thankful. We swept them, officially, we swept them this season, just like always, right? Matt LaFleur moves to 8-0 and over the Chicago Bears, I mean, that's incredible. Coming off of that 2018 season, you know, our last year of Mike McCarthy, before we had Matt LaFleur, it really looked like the Bears were going to be good for a while, and Bears fans especially were so, so obnoxious about, about their team, and uh, the Packers were not trending upward. They were trending downward, actually, with the new coach and Rodgers, whatever. And now uh, you fast forward three years, and Matt LaFleur has yet to lose to this team. So that is, uh, that's pretty awesome. And, of course, Aaron Rodgers still owns this team. He gives the fans the salute walking off the field, saluting them. You know, he it's like he's the—you said it best, Ron. He's the villain of the Chicago sports town, right? He is, uh, he's Darth Vader. He is, they love to hate him. He loves being hated by them. And it's awesome because we get to root for him. Yeah, Griff, he really embraces that role. And I feel like it brings out the best in him when he gets to be the villain of that story of the Chicago Bears-Packers rivalry. And he has been the villain for so long, the antagonist, if you will. And he, like I said, he embraces that role. And he really thrives when the pressure's on. And with all the hatred in, thrown his way, he kind of overcomes it, and there was a lot that went into why the Packers won today, even though they didn't play really great at all times. They played really great when it mattered, and that, that's why they're coming out with the win, and Aaron Rodgers is still their owner, and it's a lot of fun to watch. <laughs> he is still their owner. This was an interesting game, Braun. I mean, I I don't, I wouldn't say I was rooting for the Bears, <laughs> but... Um, I, I was, it, if this game felt unlike any other game this season, and it felt like unlike any other game since 2018, it felt like I was watching, you know, a week 18 game against the Detroit Lions from last year, where it doesn't really matter, and also, you know what, it's kind of, the, the Packers, they're kind of better off if they lose this game, so it was very interesting, I mean, of course I love watching this team win, it still makes me happy watching them create big plays, and watching these young players like Christian Watson continue to develop, but... Um, uh, just, I don't know, man. I don't know what to, what the takeaway is coming out of this game. Um, Braun, you said before, <laughs> I think you said a couple days ago, you know, if we win this game, people are going to start doing math and look at you. You're already on the ESPN playoff machine right after this game ended. So people look are going to be breaking I'm such down a hypocrite. The, <laughs> yeah. Uh, people are going to be breaking down the playoff scenarios. Who has to lose this game? We got to root against the Giants this week. The Packers, they have to win out, which includes a game against Minnesota and a game in Miami on Christmas. But no, they've got to win out. That's just step one. I mean, let's face it, folks. I hate to be this guy, but the Packers have, they still have a 5% chance on average. It varies uh, based on which models you're looking at, but they, on average, they have about a 5% chance of making the playoffs, which, you know, those percentages have kind of done all the math that uh, you're doing on the playoff predictor, Bron. So it's unfortunate, and I get it that fans are going to be really excited about this team making the playoffs, but I don't know. I just, I, I'm so, I'm Griff, so let me sick stop you right there. Let me stop you right there because math hasn't seen what I bring to the table, okay? Especially <laughs> okay, when we're talking okay, about the Green okay. Bay Packers. 
They don't know that Green Bay Packers miraculous <laughs> math that I'm going to bring to the table. I, you know, like I, like you said, I was talking about those people that are going to be doing that math, but I think I was probably the first person to whip that thing out and start doing the math. <laughs> you definitely were, and I knew it. I knew it. I'm pretty sure I was doing that game. in the fourth quarter. <laughs> if we won this game, I knew you would be the one who would start breaking out the uh, you're going to post about the Packers path to the playoffs. I know it's coming. <laughs> Can you blame me, Griff? I, I told you at some point, I don't know when it was, but I started thinking about what it would be like. And I, I understand the sentiment of like, if maybe none of this matters, this win, right? If we were to get eliminated in two weeks or three weeks, whatever, maybe none of this matters. But I started thinking about getting a win like this in a week where it's week 13, and it's very late in the season. We haven't won since we won that game against Dallas, and and that was so much fun. And and I started to think about what it would be like for Aaron Rodgers, because we never know how many games he has left, how many years he has left. For him to get a win and get that win against the Bears, even though like the draft position would have been better if we were to lose to them, whatever, I just started to think about, you know, what it was like to win and and how great it would feel to watch Aaron walk off the field and it's just that's that's what I want I want to win I just I want to win and any little chance we have to get back in the playoffs I want to I want to keep trying and I want to go after it that's that's the Packer way is, is just win at all costs and do whatever you can we've been in pretty bad positions over the years this is definitely one of the worst and hardest to in terms of trying to get into the playoffs from this spot would be it would be miraculous like I said Griff but any chance with Aaron Rodgers and this, you know, the Green Bay Packers, I just, I want that chance because you never know. Yeah, I was conflicted coming into this game because, you know, I, again, I'm, I wasn't rooting for the Bears, but I really wasn't rooting very hard for a Packers W um, because I'm, you know, I'm interested in their long-term success beyond this season. But, um, you know, being that we're playing the Chicago Bears in Chicago, yeah, I probably would have rather the Packers won this game. You know, start the tank next week. Start the tank next week. Yeah, um, when, on the bye week. Let's start it then, Griff. The week after that. <laughs> or we can lose the bye week. <laughs> another loss. Every loss matters. But also, another thing is, I don't know. This is going to annoy you, Ron. But um, I want to see Jordan Love play. I really do. Ugh. I want to. Uh, I know. <laughs> I want to see him play, man. I'm sick of these. I'm sick of watching Aaron Rodgers come out here and throw... 18 for 31, 182, and a touchdown. That was his stat line today. 5.9 yards per attempt. I'm, I love Aaron, but he's not playing his best this season. He's got a broken thumb, broken ribs. Is He's throwing to Christian Watson and nobody else. Like, I, I, I do not get anything out of watching him play with this team. You know, come back next year, of course, where we're, hopefully we're better offensively and things are going to be better. But this season, I, I don't need to see him play any longer. And also... I want to see Jordan Love play. I do. I want to see him play because he looked really good last week. And also, another thing, I want to lose games. <laughs> well, if you put Jordan Love in, there's a sizable chance that that happens. So. Yeah, well, uh, Aaron was not winning a whole lot for us either. All right. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, I knew. I got oh, you there. Got me there. But I will say, uh, like, we don't know how many Aaron has left, Griff. I don't know if it's one year, two years. Maybe this is the last year, he always says, even though I highly, highly doubt that. But you, are, you just never okay, know. You were the Rodgers expert, right? So you watched his press Correct. Do you think? Uh, <laughs> do you think it kind of sounded like he was thinking about moving on after this year? No, I. He wants. He. It's a leverage thing. He does this every year for. Uh, I don't want to call it attention, but it's a. We we've been pointing out the leverage 
thing. Man, I found this YouTube video. It's like 10 minutes long talking about him using his leverage. Wow, they should... I think... Where, what was that on? Was that on... Oh, that was our video. That was our video, right? Oh, that was us. Oh, right. And how well did that age? Yeah, that aged perfectly, actually. If you if you haven't seen that, go back and watch that, because it's from the 2021 draft when Rogers The report first comes out that Rogers wants out, and uh, it aged very well, I think. So it won an Emmy as well, that video. It did. And uh, that one's sitting on the shelf at home, isn't it, Griff? <laughs> it sure is. <laughs> <laughs> But but right, Griff, like I was saying, the leverage thing is something we've been pointing out for a while, and he wants the Packers to do things that he wants so that he'll come back. He wants to use the leverage to make sure that they're putting themselves in a position to try and win a championship. So when he looks at the offseason this year and he's deciding whether he wants to retire or he wants to play, when I know for a fact he wants to hit the age 40 mark and play... Um, that would be, I think that's important to him. But I, I think when he utilizes this retirement talk, he wants to have Green Bay confirm that they are trying to win a championship by making moves to help the team as opposed to playing for the future in a year where he wants to be a part of a championship culture. I think looking back, it's so mind-blowing that when you go back to March when Rodgers signs the extension and then a couple weeks later we trade Devontae Adams and the report comes out that Rodgers knew about that trade happening. You know, Rodgers knew Devontae was not going to be here this year when he signed his extension. And you, you think, why did he do that? Why on earth would he have done that? Because he was apparently, you know, so upset with how the Packers front office handles things, how they handle relationships, how they move on from players. And then he knows that they're going to trade the best receiver in football, the, also the only receiver he has to throw to. And he still agrees to come back to this team. I, there's just no way he's going to retire after this season. Like he, they, I think Gutekunst had to sell him on a multi-year project thing. Because, I mean, looking at the Packers' moves <laughs> this offseason, we've talked about it ad nauseum. Uh, they did pretty much nothing to help the team's chances this season, right? So I think that this offseason is really going to be when they, they go kind of all in. And Rodgers, I think he knows that. And I think he's going to, I think he came into this season knowing that he would be here in 2023 at the very least. And he's going to be turning 40 that year. And I think that, I think he does want to turn 40 and still be playing well. And physically, there's been no drop off. He's thrown the ball just as well. The arm strength, maybe a tad, is uh, nope. falling off, maybe just a tad. Um, nope. But. Mobi- <laughs> I know you're saying no. Um, no Mobility-wise, he looks better out of the pocket than he did last year, I think, which is a weird thing. But um, physically, he's not... I mean, we just watched Matt Ryan play football, Braun. He's not Matt Ryan. I, Matt I Ryan think that's generous, saying he played football. I'm not sure he really did much of that. but <laughs> I don't know what he was doing out there. But uh, <laughs> Rodgers is not at that Matt Ryan level. He's still... He's got it physically. He does. So he can certainly still play. I think he's having fun, even though... They just won their fifth game of the year today. But, um, yeah, I think I think he is going to be here next season. Yeah, Griff, that's the hope, right? Because we're trying to win a Super Bowl. And any move to a scenario where that's not the case with him at quarterback is, is not a Super Bowl caliber football team. So when we look at it from the standpoint of, is he coming back? You have to hope that. And I think he will. You made a lot of great points about some of the reasons why he will. Um, it just comes down to what he really wants and and what he wants to see this front office do for this team. And you mentioned Brian Gutekunst. He's actually going to have a presser 
probably by the time that this is out, you'll have already heard it if you did listen, but he'll address some things, I guess. This was a pre-scheduled normal press conference ahead of the bye week, which was that's been scheduled for the entire season. This has been expected to occur, so he's just following through with that. Um, and we'll see what he has to say, uh, how he's going to answer for this season. That was a very disappointing one so far. A lot of uh, good questions, I hope. A lot yeah, of questions. There is a lot to be said by Goody here. Yes, I hope that they address him uh, with a lot of questions that need to be answered. Like, why would you go into this season with the plan at wide receiver that you had? And now the problem is, too, is they put themselves in a position where Brian wanted to get the first-round pick and the second-round pick in this draft to try to help them right away. Instead of getting two first-round picks, one of those would be this coming draft. Those are things you're going to have to ask him and, and other things about why the defense has played so poorly and, and things like that. The construction of this team, cutting loose two of your best players, two all-pro players in Zadarius Smith and Devontae Adams and expecting to become a better football team. That, those are the questions that he needs to answer for, and hopefully he does. Yeah, he's got a he's got a lot to answer for, definitely. And thinking big picture, this is a weird podcast, I have to say, because you know, this is technically, it's our review show. The game just ended earlier today. We're recording the night after game day. Um, but I mean, I don't know. I just, it's it's week 13 and the Packers are five and eight. I don't really know how much this game matters. So I think we are okay to talk about some big picture stuff here. And when you're looking back on the season so far, it's interesting because the offense, these last few weeks, honestly, the last like month of the season, the offense hasn't been as bad. You remember how bad they were against the Jets, how bad they were against the Giants and against the Commanders and that portion of the losing streak where we couldn't get a first down. It was just when Aaron Rodgers was our leading football. rusher against Detroit. <laughs> Yes, oh my god, the Detroit game, we scored nine points, like, the offense has been really bad this season, but the past, like, month of the season, you know, the Bills game, we played well, that was before the Detroit game, but the Bills game, that was, like, the first time this season that we really saw the group play well. On Sunday night against the Eagles last week, we scored 33 points, that's a season high, against the Cowboys, that was really the, that was the Christian Watson breakout game. So, it's, it's hard to really blame, because... Back when the offense was so bad, we were talking about, you know, Gutekunst, how could you how could you come into the season with this being the plan at wide receiver? But it's really, we haven't talked about Brian Gutekunst in a while on this show because the offense really hasn't been the problem lately. It's now, we had a little bit, we had a little discussion about this earlier, Ron, so I, I kind of want to bring this back up. But now it's, looking back on the season, it's interesting because it's, I would call it close to 50-50, the blame being on the offense and the defense, because there have been games where the defense keeps us in it for most of the game, and the offense, they just can't get out of their own way, can't score points, and the defensive effort doesn't matter. But now that we also have our fair share of games this season where the offense has played well, they've scored points, they score 33 against Philadelphia, but the defense is just way too awful for any of it to matter. I really do wonder, Griff, how much of this falls on the fact that Devontae Adams isn't here. Because if Devontae was here with this group, when you have Christian Watson, Randall Cobb, Alan Lazard being like a three or four, Romeo Dobbs, these young guys bursting onto the scene with Devontae still there, I mean, that's a receiving core right there. And I hate to even get to this point in thinking about it because it's just not the case. And it won't be unless something unbelievably drastic happens in the land of Las Vegas, but I, I just, <laughs> what are you I thinking? have to think, <laughs> I don't know if car goes, what is this? If car goes, like if they trade Derek Carr after this year, like 
That's what I think about. Anything could happen, I guess, dude. We've both said since we traded Adams that Adams will finish his career in green and yellow. I'm just saying, if, if something were to happen where people have been talking about them trading Derek Carr, well, that's mainly the only reason that Devontae went there. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but that's something I've always had in my mind because it just it couldn't have ended like that, and I hate that it did. But think again, back to my point, uh, thinking about like how good of an offense we would be if we had Devontae back in the fold, how much would that affect the way we play defense? Because the best defense is good offense, as you always say, Griff. It's a great time. And our defense, our defense is largely similar to last year in terms of personnel. I, maybe that would have helped because we were really good on offense last year too, and that helps your defense look better. Complimentary football makes every part of the offense, every part of the defense, every part of special teams, it all coincides to make everything better. So if we had Devontae and the offense was playing like it was last year, maybe even better, the sky's the limit, I think, if Devontae was here, then how much better would we be on defense? And with the way our special teams has played at times, how good could we be as a football team? So are we really just missing Devontae Adams? Are we Devontae Adams away from being the team that we were last year and in 2020 and maybe even better? That's I've I've started to feel like that's what it is, Griff. I think that's definitely what it is. Devontae Adams makes a huge impact, of course. Um, and when you look at the when you look at the roster from this year compared to last or this year's roster compared to last year's roster, Devon you know, there are a lot of moving parts, of course, but Devontae is really the only big one. because um, Zedarius Smith, he didn't even play all last year, right? So Devontae is really the only big loss, and I, I do think it's funny when uh Every week, it seems, whatever broadcast is doing our game, they always have the graphic of, oh, these are all the pieces that Green Bay lost this season. These are all the weapons that Aaron Rodgers lost. You know, they lost Devontae Adams. They lost their offensive coordinator, Nathaniel Hackett. They lost their quarterback coach, Luke Getze. And then they throw in Lucas Patrick. <laughs> and they throw in <laughs> Equinemius St. Brown. <laughs> it's like, Where, where's, like, Bill Turner and Zadarius Smith? Yeah, in those Bill Turner, yeah, Bill Turner's not on these graphics. But Devontae Adams, man, just a Imagine if we had Christian Watson with Devontae Adams and oh oh it's literally I can't describe how this makes me feel the frustration the sadness that I feel when I think about this but Christian Watson is literally just any any young receiver any receiver in that we could have picked in the first in the first round or the second round uh, that we've begged for when we had Devontae every year we begged please we have to take someone because Devontae having one receiver <laughs> is not enough and then the year we move on from Devontae, that's when we, we finally draft We take six foot four Tyreek Hill. <laughs> Literally. That's Imagine how great we would have been. Oh uh. my God. If we had, because now we have the weapon, which is what Christian Watson is. He's just the weapon. If we had the weapon with the, the route running God, the technician, the fundamentalist Devontae Adams, if we had those two together, man, Oh my God, dude! It, it would have been unstoppable. We were unstoppable without Watson. And if we throw him into the fold, which is just like a supercharged MVS, you can't God, double Adams dude. anymore. No, no, you can't, man. God, it sucks. Well, now we've got Christian Watson, and now <laughs> it's gonna be funny this off season. You know, kind of ignoring Romeo for a second, just to think about this hypothetical. Going into this off season, it's gonna be funny if we're like, oh my God, all we have is Christian Watson. We have to address the receiver position, because <laughs> then we're just back where we started with Devontae. But Christian yeah. Watson has not slowed down whatsoever. He continues to score touchdowns. He had another receiving touchdown today and a rushing touchdown in there on an end around, forty-six yards. 
God, he is just fantastic, isn't he? That game against Dallas, three touchdowns. Who could have seen this coming? Who could have? Who who would have thought that the next three games after that he would continue to be a touchdown machine and just be pretty much unstoppable? He has done everything they could have imagined in his rookie season, especially after the injuries he dealt with and being. We we talked about how he was just getting on the field for a couple plays at a time, and he would get hurt. He would get lit up, and it's ter- certainly not his fault. But we were concerned about can he hold up? Because I totally he's thought. Popped. His early injuries, I totally thought, were indicative of who he was going to be as an NFL player. I thought he was just going to be injured constantly. But, but he's so held far, I mean, yes, he has. These past few weeks, certainly. He, and he's getting hit a lot. He's got the ball in his hands quite a bit. and he's, The main thing we always knew is that he's one of the fastest players in the NFL. And he's a different level athlete. You know how excited I was when we drafted Christian. I mean, I, I he was my number four receiver in this draft. And in terms of where I thought we could get him, um, he was one of my number one or two guys in terms of the spot that we were in late in the first. And then we moved, obviously, up in the second round. But, man, I just I love him as a player, and he's been so good. He's been compared to guys like Mike Evans, Debo Samuel. But, like, he's just a whole different type of player because of his unique height and his unique speed at that height. He's six foot four, six foot five, but he runs as fast as Tyreek Hill, and that's not a joke. It's it's the reality of what he is, and it's just been so exciting to watch him. And now we just have to see. Right now he's great. Romeo showed flashes, but I think we need a veteran premier guy still. I I just think that's what brings us back to that level of offense that we want to be. Whether that's a tight end or it's a a wide receiver. I just think we need somebody else there because we we talk about this all the time. We can't have teams keying in on the one guy. Now it's Christian Watson. It was Devontae Adams. They do different things, but teams are going to key in on those guys, and we're not having any... There was times even in this game against Chicago whose secondary is very young. They have the really young, good corner, Jalen Johnson, who is a stud, but other than that, it's a very young secondary. secondary. It's a bad secondary with guys like Eddie Jackson and others that they rely on really well out. Those guys were out. So this is a secondary, very very vulnerable, and, and guys were getting locked up a lot of the time, and including on big plays. So this is something that we need to address this offseason, especially when we're talking about Aaron Rodgers coming back and trying to be a team that wants to win a Super Bowl. One of the first things, one of the biggest needs on this team is to address the wide receiver position yet again. But it's still a reality, and it's still the case. Yeah, because there were times today where... <laughs> like Aaron's running around for his life because the sh- Chicago's pass rush is not good, and uh, he's running around and there's they're they're showing it after the play on the from the all twenty two angle. There's just no one open. Everyone is just blanketed. So it's not like Christian Watson has solved all their problems, but he's certainly brought a uh, he's took it to a new level. Like without Watson, they don't reach these heights as a as a passing offense. It looks a lot more like how it did against Washington and against the Jets, you know. So he is he's been that player. He has turned into the weapon where uh he is creating big plays unlike anyone else on this team is able to, right? Um and he's obviously very very fast. He reached I think 21 and a half miles per hour today on his touchdown run. That was crazy. And when you look at his his stats now as we enter this this final stretch of the season here, Braun, he's got seven receiving touchdowns. All of those have come within the last four games, which is absurd. He didn't score a touchdown a receiving touchdown until week 10, and he's already at seven now. Uh, and he's at nine total touchdowns on the season with two rushing touchdowns in there. And there are only there are only two players in the NFL 
with more there are only two receivers excuse me only two wide receivers in the NFL with more total touchdowns than Christian Watson those two players being Devontae Adams and Stephon Diggs so he is in in terms of you can't really do scrimmage touchdowns with a receiver I mean no one really does that but uh, in terms of scrimmage touchdowns he's number three in the NFL at the receiver position he's got seven receiving touchdowns on the year he is certainly making a case for Offensive Rookie of the Year, um, which is not something any of us saw coming Week 9. None of us thought that would ever be a reality. So that's been uh, that's been a great, exciting development. And Romeo, hopefully he's able to come back uh, as soon as possible for our next game because he was questionable coming into this game. So Romeo being back on the field is going to be important. But I think Christian has shown things that Romeo didn't show early on this season when Christian was hurt. I think Christian has been a, a, a bit better than Romeo was. But getting both of those guys on the field, it's going to be exciting. Yeah, Griff. I think, and you talk about the difference between those two guys. I think Romeo showed what he can do as a contested catch guy, but he's not going to be able to separate the same way that Christian, who has some of the best speed in the world at this position, um, I don't think he's going to show you that same thing as what Christian is able to do. But Romeo has certainly shown his stuff, and he's, he's shown that he can do this thing at an elite level when he's playing well. So when we get Christian and Romeo on the field at the same time, and Rodgers is in there working with both of those guys, that's what I want to see. That's why I want to see Rodgers play. And I, we'll definitely get Romeo back after the bye week here. So when it comes to preparing for the future, I almost want to see Rodgers gel and work and see how good this offense can be with those two guys on the field at the same time with Randall Cobb and Alan Lazard in the mix, those guys that I expect to be there next year, um, and just see what this offense can do a little bit and, and kind of evaluate from there how badly you may need another receiver or, or maybe you feel comfortable maybe just getting somebody on a lower level in terms of a free agent or something like that or do you need to go out and make a big move those are the th- not that they would, of course, but those are the things I think about when evaluating the team for the present and future. Yeah, and I get that perspective, but I don't know. I've just kind of I've gotten used to uh, thinking that this team is going to end up with a top ten pick in April. You know, I've kind of been thinking that for the last couple of weeks. So now all of a sudden they're five and eight, and the rest of their schedule they've got a bye week, and then they've got a couple more winnable games. So are we going to finish this season what seven seven and ten? Are we going to finish this season eight and nine? Because then we're looking at a, what is that, like a 16, 17 overall draft pick? Don't love that. I would much rather have a top 10 pick than uh, have a 7-10 and 10 record. Boy, but how would you feel if they went, I don't know, 9-8? and eight? And then missed the playoffs by two games? <laughs> no, they won't miss the playoffs by two games. They're going to be, if they go 9-8, and eight, they're either going to get in. I think it's decent shot they get in, or they will uh, be the, the 8 seed. No, they're not making the playoffs. They're just not. Look, I like their chances. All they got to do is win four more games, and then a lot of stuff has to happen, and then they're in. They've They've shown us nothing to make us think they can win two games in a row. (laughs) They just beat the Bears, man. (laughs) They did just beat the Bears. The Bears, who are 3-10, and and, uh, bad, objectively bad. Oh, my gosh. No, I mean, it feels good and whatever. I'll let people, I'll let you be a fan how you want to be a fan. I'm not going to be a party pooper completely, but um, I think you're dumb, basically. Um, Where do you want to move on to here? I mean, one quick I think you're ugly. (laughs) Thank you. One more thing about uh, Christian Watson. Have you seen the video, like the compilation of Tyler Lockett this season, how he's like going out of his way not to take a hit? Like every time he gets run after the catch, 
he just falls over. <laughs> he just, like, dives, you know? Like in Madden, when he hit the wrong button, he just dived down because he's not getting hit. I am, first of all, I'm so in favor of any football player doing that because getting hit, I mean, injuries matter in this sport. They really matter. And when you're built like Tyler Lockett, when you're built like Christian Watson, where people look at you and think, yeah, he's probably pretty fragile. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm all for avoiding hits uh, as, as much as possible. But people, uh, but people are sensitive about that topic, definitely. A lot of Seahawks fans I see on Twitter who are like, he's, he's, he's losing potential yardage by not putting his shoulder down. <laughs> Have you not yeah, seen Watson the video? Watson makes up for it with that speed, though. I'm not worried about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I, the Packers fan base feels like the type of fan base that would uh, get upset about a player a player diving down every time they catch the ball like that. But uh, moving on, where do we want to move here, Braun? Pass protection? Do we want to talk about Zach Tom's appearance at left tackle? He looked good. Let's talk about the pass protection because <laughs> he, he did look pretty good, and the whole group looked good against a pretty bad Bears pass rush. But still, it was <laughs> nice to see uh, nice to see Aaron not get hit when he's got broken ribs and that broken thumb. Uh, it was nice to see him stay there? on. No sacks. Not no one sacks. Sack. Not a single one, so it was good for for us to have Aaron going into the bye week now. No setbacks on the injured thumb, no setbacks on the ribs because he didn't really get put to the ground more than one time. That it wasn't a it wasn't a sack. Um, That's a so good now thing in your opinion. Yes, I don't want my quarterback to be hurt. No, I don't. And uh, <laughs> I, I actually think that he'll be quite healthy. Maybe, and he even said that he thinks those two injuries will be behind him by the time this game against the Rams rolls around. So I, I'm quite thrilled about that and hopefully we'll get to see a little bit of Aaron at full strength against the Rams here quite thrilled is quite thrilled really the the phrase you're using here what happens when it gets interesting Griff because when we beat the Rams after the bye week things are going to get a little interesting well let me take you back to a time where we lost to the Detroit Lions the one win Lions in Detroit and I don't remember that I don't you've watched that out I don't remember that (laughs) <laughs> Aaron's at the at the podium after the game saying, "Well, we've got two games at home, and if we win both of those, it's a whole uh, it's a whole different situation." Talk to me then. And then we beat the Cowboys. We're not dead. We're not dead. That's the great news. We're not dead. And then we've got a short week against the Tennessee Titans at home in the cold, wearing the all white uniforms, coming off that huge overtime win against the Cowboys. I don't Feeling remember good. this. If we win this game. If we win this game against the Titans, then our playoff chances are very much alive. And then we lose that one. I don't have any recall of that. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, I'm saying... All I know uh, is we're going to win our next four. Uh, you know what? It's kind of like a coping mechanism for me because I know that I am the type of person who would buy into something like this, and I don't want to buy into this. So I'm going to assume that you are out of your mind but what were we talking about here? So we didn't even we didn't we haven't even mentioned David Bakhtiari because uh, we were going to on the midweek show, but we didn't get to do a midweek show this week. If you were wondering, if you called in, we got a bunch of voicemails. Um, if you called in, we didn't get to do a midweek show this week because of uh, just scheduling conf- conflicts. Let's call it that. Um, so no midweek show. We didn't get to go over your voicemails, but we did get them, and we do appreciate it, of course. If you want to leave a voicemail, by the way, because we do we do two shows a week here. Um, usually, <laughs> uh, if you want to call in, the number is 920-430-0711. You call that number, you wait for it to stop ringing, you leave a voicemail, and uh, we will 
potentially put you on the show and answer your question or review your opinion. If you want to give us an opinion, a question, a take, uh, anything. Literally, just give us anything. And we also, since the last show, we have set up an email now, too. Where is uh, where you can do the same thing? Send in a question, take an opinion, but uh, in written form. If you don't want your voice on the airwaves here, you can email todayinsidetown at gmail dot com. Very simple. Today in Sidletown, no periods, no nothing. Today in Sidletown at gmail dot com. Email that. Send us in your takes, your questions, and uh, you call the number as well, and uh, we will get to you on the next show. So that's. Uh, what was I talking about again? Uh, I was talking about, we didn't do the midweek show, so we didn't talk about David Bakhtiari. But guess what, Braun? Surprise appendectomy. It never ends with this guy, huh? <laughs> oh, I, see, I, that's, it really is out of his control. It's not like it's a, it's a knee setback. If it was a knee setback, I'd be pretty worried. But this is a routine surgery that happens to people, children, adults of all ages. Has happened to me. I have gone through the surgery, so. Uh, and... <laughs> I, I actually, uh, I made a three-day comeback. I was told to sit for two weeks. I came back in three days, so. Wow. You're built different, man. I am just, I, I don't even want to get into some of those things, but I was ready to go. <laughs> as, as you said, if if I told you that someone on this Packers roster had a surprise appendectomy out of nowhere, <laughs> they're not going to be able to suit up this week. If you had one guess who that player was, your guess would be David Bakhtiari. <laughs> Uh, that's a good way to put it, I guess, but it's I, I'm still not blaming him for it. Certainly, <laughs> me neither. But it's just it's just funny, honestly. It's just funny. Poor it David, sucks. Man. I just... mean, yeah, it sucks for him. But hopefully, I think uh, I I like a good full off season of him being healthy and then getting back because he's been playing well. So I think really? an off season, really well, even right, like you said. So I think uh, to get a full off season of health and get his legs back underneath him entirely in training camp and get a really strong few months of preparation before the season starts. I, I feel really good about him moving forward. Just This is just another one of those things. And like you said, I mean, we're sitting here at 5-8. and eight. It's not like it's the biggest deal. We also won. No harm, no foul there. And, and he'll have the bye week, so he should be good to go for the Rams, and we'll be right back to it. Just unfortunate for him. And he said the surgery went well, so um, so all that's changed is that he's just appendixless now. Yeah, I hope that doesn't affect his pass blocking. <laughs> if if uh, you think if the bye week was earlier on in the season, we'd be in a better spot because I do. No, I don't. If okay. Christian Watson caught that touchdown was, in week one, I was just gonna I say think. that. But you think Christian Watson dropping that seventy-five yarder that would have changed everything? Yes, I don't. Maybe the uh, I don't know. If, maybe after the London game, it would have made a difference. But I don't know how much. That's the only thing I could say. I doubt it though. I still don't think. I don't. Yeah, the no. way that that's that doesn't change anything for me, really. Well, now we're getting healthy for the playoff run. <laughs> uh, we're not really. We're not getting Gary back. We're not getting Stokes back. How much healthier can we get? <laughs> wow. Yeah. No. We're getting back appendixless um, David. <laughs> Here's a guy that uh, we've dogged a lot on this season, AJ Dillon. Oh, uh, he's been good really two good weeks, weeks here. Two good yeah. weeks. Really impressive by him. I mean, I, so that was good to see. It was good to see. 5.2 yards per carry. He finishes with 18 attempts, 93 yards. I don't know for sure, but I imagine 18 attempts is his highest of the year. Um, Jonesy did go out of this game pretty early um, with a shin injury, was it? And uh, I guess, but he kept coming back in and out. Yeah, it felt like a thing where he was begging to come in on the sideline probably because we saw Patrick Taylor get a carry in there. <laughs> um, so it, it, it felt like a thing where the, the team was ready to keep him out of the game to, you know, keep him healthy for the playoff run 
but uh, he was probably begging, you know, to come back in the game. But A.J. Dillon was the bell cow today, 5.2 yards per carry, a long of 21, one touchdown in there. The touchdown run, good run by A.J. Dillon. Um, I don't know where to stand. I don't know where I stand on A.J. Dillon. I mean, not much has changed. He's looked good, which is, which is good. But, um, yeah, the, the Bears' defensive front, they traded their best player, Roquan Smith, earlier this season, and they do not have very good defense, so... Uh, I don't know. I don't know what I take from this game at all. I don't know. Well, it's just a, a week to celebrate the little things, I guess, because you you miss a, a lot about winning when you're losing. And one of those things that you miss is watching Aaron Rodgers walk off the field and look at the crowd and with with the Bears fans giving him the middle finger, he raises the I love you and salutes and waves goodbye to the Bears fans. And it's just the little things that make you feel good and uh, that you, Griff, I'm not in the business of looking at draft picks in in December. It's just not my thing. <laughs> I'm just not going to do it. As uh, I don't know I how many been, Packers fans are, but I've been happy today, which I'm interested in. If we lost, you know, because I feel like this game doesn't matter. But if we lost, would I have been sad today? Maybe. But uh, I've been I've been in a pretty good mood today. I think the Packers. I think they played a part in that. Let's switch to the defense here. I mean. <sighs> God, where do we? What are we? What are we doing with this defense at this point in the season, man? They look bad. They, I mean, they only give up 19 points, right? Like this was by far not their worst statistical performance of the season, but they just look like a bad team out there. They look slow out there. They look like not everyone's on the same page. It looks like it looks like a team where the players just aren't bought into the coaching staff, and that's a that's a hard thing to declare as a watching from the couch, right? But, uh, I mean, that's the impression I get because every week we talk about this, Braun. How many how many first-round picks do we have to spend on this unit for them to play well? How much money do we have to spend for them to look like an elite defense? So, at some point, you have to just, you have to point your finger at the coaching. Yeah, Griff, I mean, it's just tough. The, the way that they've been schemed is a clear issue throughout this year in a lot of spots where... Like you talk about from the couch, some things are hard to point out. Like, is it the? It's hard to point out the mentality of the players or what they're thinking individually. I mean, this is impossible stuff. You're just trying to gauge it. But things we can point out are philosophical ideas that Joe Barry continues to push through his scheme. And we talk about every week how he just doesn't utilize players to their strengths and tries to put them in positions that he already has planted throughout his scheme rather than trying to utilize these guys in the best way that they can succeed and then try to make it work from there. that This is the main problem with Joe Barry. We need to find somebody. I, I don't know if there's anybody out there like this, Griff, but who is out there that's adaptable, that is willing to go the extra mile in getting to know these players on an individual level, both on and off the field, and gauge what it really is in terms of these guys' best chance to have success. Just put these guys in the best position to win. And and that's 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 what I want. Who's out there that's willing to do that? Who's that's that's how I would go about it as a defensive coordinator. That that's the best way to me to get the most out of what you have. And that's the goal, right? Because defensive coordinators can't go and sign whoever they want. They can certainly talk to the GM and have conversations. Just like Matt Lafleur, even he has little to no say. It seems in personnel decisions in terms of who gets brought in and whatever, because he very much wanted Will Fuller, who he had familiarity with at Notre Dame, and just, again, he was not brought in. And a lot of decisions probably don't even get much insight from LaFleur. Uh, and we talk about the defensive coordinator who LaFleur brought in, he has much, much even less uh, of 
you know, when we're talking about input. Uh, so I think that he has to go and make the most out of what he has instead of trying to fit these guys who maybe aren't designed to just go fit in a certain scheme like Joe Barry's. Try to use them to the best of their ability and then see what we can get out of them. This defense, I mean, th- there's no shortage of alphas on this defense. There's no shortage of guys that you can imagine a defensive coordinator coming in and building a scheme around. Jair Alexander being one of them. Jair had an interesting day today. I mean, he gives up a 56-yard completion to, <laughs> of all people, Equinemius St. Brown. Then he gives up a 49-yard completion to, again, of all people, Nikhil Harry. Like, one of the, the jokes of the NFL. Like, and it's Nikhil crazy Harry. Because Jair called EQ, his former teammate. He was with him for, what, four years? He calls EQ a scrub after the game, which was, <laughs> blew my <laughs> mind. He just he called him a scrub. I thought it was a fake quote. <laughs> Does you think maybe he doesn't know who that is? That wow, that would be that's I don't <laughs> that that's insane. Funny. That would no, be, I'm thinking no, that I was think uh, he, he definitely he guards joking. him in practice, Griff. Yeah, yeah. I I think he was joking. I think he was. I think him and EQ are probably friends. <laughs> Why did he give me that face? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if he. I don't think he was joking. He was like, man, I can't even believe I let that up because that dude's a scrub. That was like his exact words. <laughs> so funny, bro. I think That's he was so serious. Funny. No, but then he said hats off to him. He made a great play. <laughs> well, yeah. He That's did. the crazy thing. He did. I mean, yeah. And then, But then we didn't even mention Griff. He gets the pick that turns the game around for us and gives us a chance to play some complimentary football and put points on the board after a turnover. Which we did, and that was part of the reason why we scored 18 unanswered points against Chicago. Yeah, I mean, bounce-back game or bounce-back play for him, um, similar to a guy like Rasul who did have a forced fumble in there. That's kind of the story of the season for both of those guys. It's They give up things in the passing game, but then they, they make you pay by these big turnovers. And it's so interesting, too, because last year... Rasul was locking up, and he was one of the top cover corners in all of football. And Jair has been that for so long. Twenty twenty, he was an All Pro at that at that spot, and uh, covering guys at the elite of all elite levels. And now both of those guys have struggled at times, but they are always good for the big plays. Whether it's breaking up screen passes right at the line of scrimmage, behind the line of scrimmage, getting those oh, key Jair interceptions. Jair had one of those today. That, Jair has one. Rasul has one every game. Jair has one every game or two. And they all make plays, and and I think Keyshawn Nixon is one of those guys, too, that is just... Griff, you have a little bit of a differing opinion on him, but in terms of what he does in the return game, on special teams, the consistency, I thought he was excellent today. He was even better the week prior against the Eagles, giving us chances to win in those games by getting us field position right. But he's just... He's one of those guys that... Will he give up stuff in coverage? Yes. But he's also come in and made very good plays. He stepped up when we needed him. Uh, when we had injuries and, and different things occurring, uh, when he came in and played in the slot for us, he stepped up. And then since then, he's been a decent guy in, in terms of covering and everything like that. But also, he's very good at making big plays. He's just a playmaker, and he's a dog-type guy where you just you know when you go out there, he's one of those playmaking guys, and he's just going to give you a chance to win when he's out there. I like him as a player both on defense and special teams, because he's going to go out there and make those dirty plays that guys don't want to make. And, and he got a big pick, too, to end the game. Not that it was a crazy uh, pressure situation, but he did pick off Justin Fields. Um, and that, that that's something that you have to say. Like, guys 
that can make those kind of plays out there are important to what you do. And I think that's the kind of player you want when you're trying to win a Super Bowl. So I look for him to be a part of this squad next year as well. I love Keyshawn on special teams. I love Keyshawn the tackler. But Keyshawn in pass coverage, I do not want as a, uh, a starter. And Yeah, um, not a starter, but a depth piece. I think Key's very good great as a depth, depth guy. Great really depth great piece. depth He can guy. come in. When a guy goes down for one week, he can come in and you're not going to feel terrible about it. Um, but... I mean, just to clarify why you said that I have a differing opinion, because I, I do think that he gives up a little bit too much in coverage um, to be a reliable starter. But yeah, I mean, as a depth piece, great find by this front office. Great find. Keyshawn Nixon, a lot of that credit probably goes to Rich Bisaccia because they spent time together in uh, Vegas with the Raiders. But on special teams, you remember week three, he had that big down punt at the one-yard line against the Buccaneers. That was a great play. He's now, Roger said at the, at the podium today that he, when the Packers would be uh, returning kickoffs, he would kind of be hoping that they just take a knee, right? Um, but now he's hoping that Keyshawn takes it out every time, which is he something that you even. I thought was... I thought it was funny all day today because it doesn't matter where in the end zone Keyshawn was catching these kickoffs, he was taking it out. It could be eight yards deep, it could be three yards deep, it could be outside the end zone. He's returning that thing. And sometimes he gets to like the 18 or 19 and I'm like, God, why would you not just kneel it? But then you get the plays where he takes it out to the 30 or the 40 or last week he had big returns. So it's interesting that we have this player now, a dynamic return man, because go back a month ago and we were begging for them to sign someone like this even. And it uh, turns out Keyshawn Nixon, he's been that guy. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's this is another one of the little things, right, Bron? Like, Rodgers walking off the field, this is another one of those little things. Um, Keyshawn Nixon playing well on special teams. Great tackler, too. And you mentioned how Rodgers spoke about him today, and he said that's one of the guys that I want to go to battle with, and, and he feels like he can win a championship with. And he said he wishes he had players like him earlier in his career on, on some of these teams because he's just one of those guys. I, I do think he's... One of those guys, those vocal type players, one of those guys you're going to talk about as a special teams leader and a, a guy who can come in and spark a defense with some big plays. And you need playmakers, big play guys. I, I think we talk about some of these guys like, I think Preston Smith is a turnover creator, a big playmaker in big moments too. And he'll go and get that big sack at times. Like I think he's one of those guys. You need guys like that that are going to go make a play when you need it. Uh, and that's, I think that's how you would classify Key. I think he's one of those guys. Yeah, well, Bron, I didn't know until just now that you were a huge Keyshawn Nixon guy, so that's good to know. <laughs> I didn't know you loved Keyshawn like you do, but I mean, yeah, good, good player. Well, how often do we have guys that can play on special teams? I mean, this is a, this is a, <laughs> yeah, this is a rarity, so I think he certainly <laughs> deserves so. all the love for sure. Yeah, one last thing on this defense before we get out of here, Bron. So Jair gets the big pick, right? And they all, the whole defense, they run to the end zone and they do the namaste celebration. Awesome. Great picture. Um, and it got me thinking in the moment, you know, going back these these past few years, you've got the D-train celebrations led by uh, Preston Smith and led by Zadarius Smith. And the whole defense, it felt, like, uh, it felt like they were just one big family. I feel like we're not really getting that this season. I feel like we haven't seen many group celebrations. Granted, there hasn't been much to celebrate defensively this season. <laughs> but, I mean, they're, they've, they've celebrated, you know, in, in poor performances in years past. And it feels like, I don't know, I see a lot of pointing. I see a lot of blown coverages where you check the All-22 and there's just guys pointing at each other, like, hands up, like, what are you doing? 
Um, so I don't know. I, this is another thing where it's hard to judge from your couch, but it feels like a coaching thing. Right. So how do you fix that, Griff? That's a good point. Like you said, though, there really isn't much to celebrate, but there is a, maybe you're right. Is it a lack of trust? Uh, not in the guys, but in the system. And then you just, you're not as all in. Like when you're playing out there, you just don't have as much faith that you can get it done. And it's just, some of those things fall into play for sure. But how do you fix it? Is it is it when we look at later this year, is it firing Joe Barry? Because all indicators so far from Matt LaFleur, I don't know if he'd say anything otherwise, obviously, but it doesn't seem like there's a definite firing in play. Yeah, firing Joe season. Barry is not its not a foregone uh, conclusion. No, certainly not, right? And, and uh, that's part of it, right? I, do, you just, do you think that solves everything? Do you put in, what would it be, a new scheme, right? And then these guys have to learn the whole... Not that defense is pretty similar through and through, but when it's a new scheme, a new identity if you will, uh, is that something that you want to put these players through again, especially when you're going from Petten to Joe Barry now to another guy? Like, that's certainly part of it, too. Um, th- those are all factors. But what uh, what is it, really? How do you fix it? That's the main question. They have to figure that out. Um, and that'll be something they figure out over these last few weeks, see how they play. Today was a weird one because there were bad, bad, bad moments, and then there were some good moments, too. Uh, like those turnovers, you go plus three in the turnover margin, um, and that's that's something you get excited about. But can they do that consistently? Because they haven't all year. So these are the things they'll look at. I feel like after this season, if Joe Barry gets fired, we're going to get some anonymous sourcing reports. <laughs> like, uh, do you remember when, uh, in 2019, I think it was, first year with Matt, first or second year with Mike Patton, I guess. But uh, it was after we signed the Smith brothers and Amos. There was a report that in in the middle of that season that came out that you know the defense that season was so connected it was a big family they were playing ping pong together they put a ping pong table up in the the locker room or whatever in the meeting room and uh they there was a report that the year prior they had like a christmas party where only like five people came or something like that i don't know if you remember this report but uh, i do and i think i think we're going to get something similar to that next season eventually whenever this defense fixes itself and they get back to playing like themselves and the leaders can lead properly again i think we're going to get some reports about like you know they didn't trust joe barry's play calling it was too complicated something like that because it just it, it everything just feels too fishy to me everything it feels like there's something in the waters with this defense it feels like there's something that we just don't know about at this point and uh it's interesting that none of these guys have gone to bat for Joe Barry. That's another thing that I've kind of been monitoring this season. None of these guys are really defending Joe. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's going to be interesting though if they if they move on for, from Joe Barry if at all if they do that because it's not a, it's not a guarantee. Yeah, Griff, is this team lacking a leader on defense or or if they have one, I don't know who it is because is it Devondre? He's only been there for a year and this is his second year here and he's been out at times this year so it's been tougher. But who's their leader? Is it Jair? Is it is it Devondre? Is it Kenny Clark? Is it Preston? It probably I would say foregone conclusion was Zadarius when he was Definitely here. Definitely Z. And then that obviously that fell out of favor when he got hurt and things were complicated last year. Now he's not here. Who's the leader? It's not it's not apparent. I don't think it's clear. And that's an issue. On a good defense, you know who the leader is, right? And that's a lot of the times, that's just the way it is. 
Uh, when you look at the 49ers, like, you, you can point to a few guys who could certainly and play well enough to, to be considered a leader of that group. You talk about the, the Fred Warner or the Nick Bosa. Like, those guys are leadership guys, and you, these great defenses have guys like that. Even Dallas, who's playing really well this year, Micah Parsons is that guy for them. And it's just who's our leader? Do we have a guy? Is it Rashawn Gary? But he's hurt. Like, these are the things that we have to figure out. Who's, and we don't know for a fact who's vocal enough because you have to pick your spots as a, as a leader to when to be vocal and when to just lead by example because not everybody's going to respond when you're not the clear and far and away leader on a football team. You can't just lead by example at all times because you don't know that all these younger guys are going to be watching you because why would they if they don't know that you're the leader, if that makes sense. Like when Aaron talks about leading by example, he's the leader. Everybody knows it. So everybody's already watching him. He doesn't always need to speak because he knows every single player in that locker room is watching the littlest things that he does to try to pick up on what it means to be great. Who's going to be that for Green Bay? Because it was Clay. It was Charles Woodson. These these are guys that Green Bay doesn't have anymore. So who are these guys that you're going to be looking to championship football players on defense? Who's the leader? That's, I think, a big question that everybody, whether it's the front office, the coaching staff, and the players themselves, that needs to be answered. And I think that's a really important part of how we're going to be a championship football team next year. That was really great stuff. I agree with that. Um, yeah, I don't know. The leaders on this defense, you think maybe Amos, but he is a free agent this season. Also hasn't so played like, well enough to back up that kind of that no, kind of talk or, or to be a leader. You have to be an elite, elite player. You have to play like it on a, on a weekly basis. Even, we talk about Aaron Rodgers as the leader, right? Even his worst football this year has been very good. Like, he's still a great quarterback on his Devontae worst Devontae was that guy, too. Thinking Devontae about Devontae. Does it, and yeah, Everyone and yes, looked up to Devontae. He, and he relates to these younger guys a little bit better, too. And, and that, that's part of it. You lose a leader like Devontae, you're going to lose some stuff. Uh, on offense, just the way it is. You're going to lose some of that. And the swagger that you have with, as an offense, he carried so much of that. And when he leaves, he's going to take some of it for sure. Who has? Who's the swagger now? And it's just not there, right? We're missing you that remember, swagger. You remember Devontae's touchdown celebration? Yes, I saw it today, sadly. He did it today? I was just going to ask. Is he he doing did that it today. Days? Yes. Did you and cry? It was did you very upsetting. What was I your point you there? Did you have a point or are you just bringing that up? I was just bringing it up. Okay. <laughs> you talking about his swagger reminded me of it. So it's the same thing for the defense. Like, who is that guy that is as good as you know he's going to be elite, even on his bad days? That's the stuff we need to figure out, Griffin. It's certainly a major question heading into this offseason, maybe the biggest uh, on, in terms of the defensive side of the ball. And I don't know if that's been talked about much. Um, it certainly hasn't been in terms of what I've seen. But I think that's something we all fans and the team alike need to consider as we try to piece together a championship squad going into next year because this certainly was not one um, as we approach the final weeks. Uh, That's something we need to look at uh, to try to change the culture a little bit to what we know it can be. And I'm not talking about massively overhauling anything, but certainly a, uh, a tip to what we've been doing in the past years with guys like Zadarius and Clay and Charles Woodson in mind um, trying to figure out how we can alter the current status of, of this group. Right, yeah. That's definitely going to be something they talk about uh, this off season. I think we're going to end it with that, so thank you so much for listening. Um, just if I could plug one thing and one thing only, I would plug the voicemail. 
please leave us a voicemail. We love the voicemails. 920-430-0711. Call that number, leave a voicemail, and on our next show, we will be going through all of your voicemails, including we're going to be looking through the voicemails that you guys left that we didn't get to get to last week. We'll be looking through those, but we'll also be looking through the new ones. You can email us at todayintitletown at gmail.com. Send us an email. It can be a bit, of, a little bit of a longer form question there if you'd like. Um, those are always great as well, and like I said, along with voicemails, we will be getting to those on our next episode of the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you've listened this far, it really means a lot. Please uh, rate us five stars on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you are listening. Uh, send us feedback on Instagram. You can DM us at Today in Town on Instagram. You can follow me on Instagram at All Day Packers, Braun on Instagram at Lambo.Leapers, and that is everything. So Packers win five and eight. Gearing up for the playoff run, right, Bron? Oh, God, help me. <laughs> Five and eight, go Paco. Thank you for listening, everybody. Let's get ready. We just won a big football game, and we've got a bye week, which we will still be bringing podcasts to you. But for now, forever, and as always, go Paco. Go Paco.